But if you have your Bibles tonight, turn with me to 2 Corinthians is actually where we start. And we will be in our series on distinctions of strongholds. Distinctions of strongholds. It has been fun. And let me say by way of being on... uh, Listening, people listening and paying attention to this series. Uh, this material was originated by Dr. R. B. Ulett. There's a book that goes with this series. Uh, the pastors have, have read it. We've probably read it a couple of times. I know I have, and really just dissecting it and taking it apart. There are parts of that book that are not in this series. It, it is Brother R. B. Ulett's material. I'm thankful to get to use it just here at our home church, but it is his, his curriculum and what he has here. I've enjoyed it. I've added some parts to it, not that it needed adding, it's just some things that make more sense to me that I can teach. Uh, he is by far uh, a better teacher and preacher and uh, one of the peers out there and one of the men that I follow and listen to. He's one to look up and to follow. That is Dr. R.B. Ouellette, and we've met him in person a few times, have some of his books. He's just a wonderful man, but this material is his. is called Pulling Down of Strongholds, and Sword of the Lord actually was the first to publish that book for him. It has different bookings because he has, he has made many copies of that book, and he might be on his second or third edition of that book. So that is where that is coming from, and I was privileged to teach this at our chapel two years ago at our school, and I had fun with that, and I figured I'd put it in the adult format. That's actually where it's written, and so we have that tonight. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says this in verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God in the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What a powerful set of verses, and that is where this whole series has spawned from, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. There's a lot here. Uh, we have many times laid out the, uh, the text or the format or um, where we're reading at in 2 Corinthians, dealing with that church Paul was and their problems there. But we have taken it kind of for our own for this series. And tonight I want to be in part three of distinctions, and it's being unhappy being unhappy. If you turn with me one more time here to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, I want to share a verse with you, and I'm looking at verse 14. It says, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. That's First Peter chapter 4 and verse 14. There was sometimes back, I want to say almost close to 10 years, that the pastor shared this verse with me. We're going through some, a rough patch, you might say spiritually, emotionally. And uh, that really, he ministered to me. That verse really spoke to me when he shared that to me. And it put a lot of stuff that I was dealing with that I was uncertain of or did not know what the end might be. In perspective, and that tonight, uh, if you have joy, uh, that's a good thing. It'll put a lot of things in perspective. You might not understand in your Christian life, but you know God holds that, holds and consists of no matter what you're in, in your Christian life. If you're unhappy this evening, I want to bring happiness to you and to your heart this evening. So let me stick with my notes so I don't get too off base here. If God wants you and I to be happy 
How do strongholds of unhappiness grow in our lives? Well, I have three traps I want to explain in explaining. Remember, we broke these series down. This series, we have an explanation. Then we have evidence that we see from scriptures. Then we have examples of this. And then I give you an exercise of verses to memorize with this stronghold. And this is being unhappy. So in our explanation, it's starting at the top, there are three main traps that cause people to be unhappy. The first trap is depression. Now I've slid up against depression a little bit in this series, and there's probably a whole other series on depression. And I briefly have broke it down. I shared a verse in Proverbs dealing with uh, your mind, your thoughts, your heart, and then your actions, how they go together. And you are a trichotomy, whether you know it or not. The Bible uses the trichotomy, the body, the physical part, uh, the soul, which is like your body, but, but inside of you, and then the spirit. And so we're made like God in the image. So when the Bible says the image of God, God has three parts to him, but yet he's still one. And so knowing that, there are three types of depression that you can experience. And so I don't want to get too far into that, but depression is the first trap that will make you or cause you to have a stronghold of unhappiness in your life. Some people say that depression is something psychologists invented. But the definition is found throughout the Word of God. If you but look, I'll read one verse. Uh, Psalm 77 verse 4 says, Thou holdest mine eyes awaking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. This is David speaking. Uh, there, can be, there can be physical signs of depression. And let me say this. And if you've got the physical signs of it or you have the physical part of it, there, you, need, you need medical help, medical help. There's nothing wrong with that. And so you say, well, I thought maybe well, if you're dealing with the spirit or the soul, then you might have maybe a spiritual problem that you can be dealt with through the word of God. But you've got a physical ailment like that, dealing with depression, you struggle with that. There is balance. And on the physical side, your body breaks down like any other organ. Your, your, your mind can break down also. And uh, it fires on certain uh, uh, hormones and, and, and uh, all types of things in your mind. And it can, get, it can get messed up and get imbalanced. And your mind will think all kinds of stuff. So remember that. That's the physical side, spiritual, and, and the soul. But let's move on. That's a verse. There's many verses through the Word of God describing this. Many men and women dealt with this through the Word of God. All right. In reading Psalms, you will see that the depression you struggle with is not unique to you. And that even a person like David, King David, who knew the depths of despair, could rise to delight and confidence of his God. And even in the depths of despair, you can rise to that level having confidence in God. Yeah, no, it's not a bed of roses. Uh, you don't swip, uh, switch a, a light on or you know, turn a bulb or a knob or push a button. It doesn't work like that. You know it doesn't. It's easy to say that, but it doesn't work like that in people's lives and hearts and minds. But yet, knowing that, you still can draw from a source that is consistent, that doesn't change, that is true. Even though our mind and our heart might not think it, uh, we're true or we're going in the right direction or what troubles you, I don't know. You know, your mind will, will begin to trouble you and you don't know why. 
You don't know why it's working the way it's working. And I said I wouldn't get too much into the depression, but there's more. Let me move on. And so remember that you have a source. That source is the Word of God in God. And then on the physical side, you have doctors and you have methods that they use. Nothing wrong with that at all. Let's look at this second trap that causes people to be unhappy. I want to stay on on course here on being unhappy. Uh, It's disillusionment. Let me get the word out here. A, and this, what it means is a feeling of disappointment in resulting from the discovery that something is not as good as one believed it to be so. Now, my wife used that. I got to look into the defin- definition of that. Wow, that's what she just used to describe me. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. Disillusionment is a trap. It is definitely a trap that can trap you as a Christian into thinking something like, man, I thought this was going to be better than it was. That's why you'll hear us say, uh, the Christian life is not a bed of roses. And if you've been saved in all, you know that you still have to go through life and uh, battle with the struggles, the trials, the temptations, the letdowns, and the letdowns, <laughs> and the letdowns, and some of the uprisings. And so this is what we're talking about a little bit tonight. One of those traps is disillusionment. And so the Bible never tells you and I to have confidence in people. That's why another important thing that you'll hear preached from this pulpit is you don't want to follow a man, put your faith and trust in a man. It's the Word of God. It's the Bible. And so here, this is what I'm saying. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And that's who we should be looking to. Uh, He will never disappoint or disillusion you or I. And so that is, a, that is another trap, disillusionment in your life. Don't, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't spend that coin. The third trap that I want to draw your attention to before we get into our evidence this evening is the call that causes people to be unhappy is discouragement. Now, this is a big one that a lot of times that it, it affects a lot of Christians. You say, well, I don't have a problem with depression too much. I don't have a problem with disillusionment. But discouragement gets a hold of me. I get discouraged. I get discouraged by the way. The Bible has a lot to say about discouragement and what it brings and uh, the, the harmful effects of it. Not to be discouraged by the way. Remember, remember uh, I think of a man in the Old Testament, a minor prophet, Jonah. Jonah and Nineveh, uh, he had a little thing there with God running from God. He didn't get too far. And uh, then he, he had an experience with, with a, a great fish. And the, the fish put him back out on land. And he went and he says, now the word of the Lord came a second time to Jonah. Go into Nineveh and cry aloud, uh, saying that Nineveh is going to be overthrown in 40 days. So he goes out there, he preaches. Well, the whole thing, the whole gist of what you were getting from the prophet, the man's side, looking to God, is he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He didn't like the people of Nineveh. They were wicked. They were mean. They were cruel. They definitely didn't like a Jewish-type person. And so he gets there, and he knew. He knew what would happen. About Jonah chapter 4, Jonah states four things about God that he knew God was. I don't know if I can name him. He's merciful, slow to anger, of a great plenty of, of mercy, and uh, unforgiving. And you'll look him up. It's in chapter 4. He knew this about God. And yet, this is why he didn't want to go. And sure enough, the people listened. They heard his message, and they turned to God, and they repented and turned to God. That, that left the prophet Jonah upset. He ran and he sat up there up underneath a, a juniper tree and he said that God, he prayed that God would take his life. He was done. And so you say, what was going on? He was discouraged because of what he thought. He was discouraged. If you're discouraged, you're going to be unhappy. 
That goes along with being discouraged. You're going to get unhappy. Uh, Remember David at Ziglag. Remember David, uh, he was running from Saul. And so one one of the places that he ended up going was to the Philistines. And although he had killed a number of them, but yet they had, he'd found kind of refuge with the Philistines. Well, it come about the year, uh, the time of year when he, the Philistines went out to battle with King Saul. And David said, I'll fight with you. Well, the Philistine, the kings, they didn't like that. They figured, well, it could be a trap. So they didn't trust, they didn't trust the Philistines. They didn't trust David fighting with them. So they sent him back home. So he goes back with his men to Ziglag. Well, the enemy had come through. They had taken the sons and the daughters and their wives, and they had burned the city. And David, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, and David, it says this, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And so happiness allowed to remain and fester, uh, I'm sorry, unhappiness allowed to remain and fester can create a stronghold that the enemy can use to defeat you spiritually. Uh, One of the verses that we use in this series is 2 Timothy chapter 2, 24, 25, and 26, speaking of that Satan can take you captive at his will. You say, how is he allowed to do that if we're standing strong? Well, he, he can't. He struggles with it if you stand strong. But when you allow yourself to get discouraged... Uh, maybe a little disillusionment, maybe some depression involved in that. You become weak and vulnerable in the spirit and in the soul, vexed. And the Holy Spirit is weakened because you kind of lean towards your flesh, the fleshly things, and Satan slips right in there. He takes you captive, begins to run your mind, things through your mind, if you please, and your heart. Don't act on them. Don't act on them because more than likely you will be an unhappy Christian. And so let's move into the evidence of this being unhappy stronghold. One danger sign of a stronghold of unhappiness would be an abiding dissatisfaction with the circumstances of your life. Man, have you ever run across somebody, uh, they did state that they were saved, they loved God, but they were dissatisfied with how their life turned out. But the whole time resting or hoping to rest in the fact that Jesus Christ had saved them. Well, God, there's nothing that goes out of the eyes of God. God knows exactly where you are, what you've done, what you're going to do. He knows who you are. Look at the men and the women that he used through the Bible. They were not perfect. Matter of fact, we've mentioned a couple of them here tonight that probably none of us would dare even try to do or had done. But he still used these uh, people, these individuals. And he said, here's what I'm saying. You don't want to get dissatisfied with your life. Be happy, focus on the good things. Uh, focus in John 10, John chapter 10, verse 10 says this. Let me read this. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's you and I. That's, that's the saved person with that Christ says, look, I not only want you to have life, but I want you to have it more abundantly. Now that life he's speaking of is a spiritual life, a spiritual led life. Uh, you're not going to live in a carnal state uh, with that some of delusion, some of that depression and discouragement, and think God is going to have His hand all over your life. Well, He might He might have your your salvation, but you might have a miserable wreck of your relationship with Christ. That needs to be taken care of, and we need to understand that God wants you to have a spirit led life. So, do we have an unhappy stronghold in our Christian life? What is 
What is gearing us? What is propelling us through our Christian life? Well, if it's a stronghold of unhappiness, it's not going to be a happy time. It's not going to be a happy trail, you might say. There's another man I want to bring up. Remember Haman and Mordecai and Esther. I believe Esther, Esther chapter 5 and verse 13. Now, Haman was a wicked man, and he was deceiving and trying to, to do away, another man in history, trying to do away with the Jewish people. And he didn't like the Jewish people. Well, the king there had married uh, Queen Esther, and she was, a, she was a Jewess. And so Mordecai was, I believe, his, her uncle, and so uh, he was trying to, Haman was trying to set up to have Mordecai killed. And he wanted Mordecai to bow down and give him obeisance or worship him. That's what he wanted. He wanted him to show humility to him. And he wanted worship. Uh, and Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. And he said this, Haman said this, All of this availeth me nothing. And Haman was high up in the court system right underneath the king. And he had riches, he had power, he had prestige, and he had privilege. Haman did. Uh, but it didn't bring him happiness. He didn't want that. He wanted, he wanted the, the Jew guy, Mordecai, he wanted him to hang. And uh, he had set up a uh, hangman place there, and he ended up actually hanging there himself. But they're, all through the Bible, there's these characters that show up. They're not happy. They have everything. And yet they're still not happy. Listen, you can have everything. The Bible says you can have the whole world and lose your own soul as a fool. That's how a fool dies. And that's how a fool can live. And so be, be careful uh, of this, the unhappy, the unhappiness, the stronghold of unhappiness. God wants you and I to be happy regardless of our circumstances in which we find ourselves. Rejoice and focus in what God has given you. Don't focus on what you think you want or need. You need to focus on what you have and be thankful for what you have. And move forward with that. Because God knows something that you don't. What you need and what you don't need in your life ahead. He knows exactly what's going on. Another warning sign. Let's look at this. Another warning sign is a reoccurring persuasion. That God and others are not treating you the way you should be, the way you should be treated. Boy, I, I was kind of like, man, I'm writing this down. Like This is really hitting home. <laughs> oh, this hit all of us. So sometimes we think we should be treated a certain way. We deserve to be treated this way. But we are so far off base when it comes to thinking like that. But our human nature and our human heart is just, it's geared that way. God knows it. That's why these verses are here. Let me read my notes here. God is withholding from you. Let me ask you and I some questions tonight. Has God kept something back that you feel you deserve? Do you have less affluence than you think you deserve? Affluence means, you know, you're pool with people, uh, the people that you're around. You think you might have affluence with them. That's what the word is used for. And so here's another question. Do you have less? Uh, do you feel that people aren't as kind to you as they are to others? Boy, that can get us going. Man, I've seen them talking to them people, but they wouldn't even talk to me. I, I get that sometimes on a job site. You know, they, that person talked to that person. They don't know who I am. You know, I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, you're, 
who are you? <laughs> and a lot of times our thinking uh, gets a little bent. Sometimes it even breaks to some of this. You say, what is going on? Listen, this is a warning sign that you have an unhappy stronghold in your life. These feelings are warning signs. God never cheats his children. Let me read you a verse. Psalms chapter 84 and verse 11 says, no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So you say, man, I'm just, here, here's my struggle in my mind and my heart as a Christian. I'm just don't, I don't, I'm not happy. I'm not happy the way people treat me. I'm not really happy with myself the way I treat people. And there's just a whole slew of things that you're struggling with. Are you walking uprightly? Because you're not going to get everything. I'm not going to get everything and walk the way I want in my flesh. It doesn't work that way. And so we see this from scriptures very plainly. Let's look at an example, another example in Psalms 13, 1 through 6. I tell you what, let's turn there. I'm reading some of these. Let's do a little exercise. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 13. Psalms chapter 13. Some of these I type in. If I have the time, and sometimes I do not. Psalms chapter 13, notice what he says here. We're looking at what David uh, believed the promises of God. Even through all of his troubles and sufferings, even through everything that that David went through, uh, that kept David, the unhappiness from becoming a stronghold in his life. Listen to this. Uh, Psalms 13, 1. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my my enemy say I have prevailed against him. And those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice In thy salvation I will sing unto the Lord, because he hath dealt bountifully with me. David understood something about his God. Tonight, we take note of this, this passage, that we would learn something about our God. It might look like our enemies are coming to get us. It might look like our life is headed down. It might look like a trial that you cannot see the light at the end of its tunnel. But God is bountiful to you and I. And he doesn't withhold anything to his people or his children if we walk uprightly. So we're encouraging one another tonight to walk uprightly. You say, what is the key to to being happy? Well, there's a whole key here and a stronghold you do not want to develop of unhappiness. I've been around more unhappy Christians than I have more lost people that are unhappy. That's sad. We should be the happiest people on the planet. And I'm thankful for that. But there's a lot of Christians like, why are they, why are they so unhappy? And then when you, when you compare that scenario with that individual that's unhappy, that Christian, compare it to somebody else, maybe in another world, another setting, they have way less, a whole lot less going for them, a whole lot less to look forward to, and they're happy. Like, what is with this? I think it's part of our culture, our heritage. America has everything, so we think we want more and more, and we're needy people, but we have everything, including a God who loves us and just asking us and providing a way for us to walk closely to Him and not to be an unhappy Christian. And so here we're looking at King David, and we see that he... He said here, he said, I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully 
with me. One of the parts of knowing whether you have a, a healthy church is healthy singing. Congregational singing and special singing, but congregational singing. Uh, you can look at the temperature of a church, and I'm not trying to be a judgmental type here, but you can listen to the congregational sing. Um, and, and sometimes, sometimes you have bad days. I, not every day is a good day. Some days you, you don't feel like being there, but mostly if you begin to think and ponder God and what He's done for you, then your, your mind and your motive changes in your heart. If you're, if you're concentrating even tonight, if you're concentrating on tomorrow, what you went through today, we all have that. We all have our struggles. We've all been through. We all got stuff on our minds and our hearts. But we, if you focus on that, you're not going to be a happy Christian. I'll just tell you right now. We got to get through this life and we need a smile on our face. There's a world that needs a witness and a testimony in this dark, ever darkening day. This is where we're living. Let's look at some exercises and I'll wind this down. If you're looking for help and encouragement from other people, listen, you may or may not get it. <laughs> if you're depending on having another uh, or having other people notice what you have done or what you are going through, uh, you, you may not get that. They may not see what you're going through, what you're getting. But you can always hope in God and He will never fail you. Let's turn to Psalms. We're in Psalms. I am. Turn to, to 42. Psalms chapter 42. Now I have these highlighted in my, my Bible. You can do so. It doesn't matter. Psalms chapter 42. Notice verses 1 through 5. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? Watch this. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I have gone with the multitude. I had went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise and with a multitude that kept, uh, that kept holy day. Verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. He was calming himself from within side. His soul was distressed, even though he'd been to the house of God, it says there, and worship. But he was trying to calm his soul from within, saying, trust in God. Tonight, trust in God. Not a man, not a way, not a thought, not a philosophy, but in God. You're going to need God because that man that thought that philosophy that way isn't going to be there when, when all the chips are down and the lights are out. <laughs> And you're laying there and you can't go to sleep. And you don't know what you're going to do tomorrow with the big set of problems you have. And so you say, what do you do? You, you trust in God. You calm yourself through, through God and His Word. Well, let's move Psalm 62. I'll move quickly. we got one more after this one and we'll, we'll be done. But Psalm 62, verse 5. My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times. Ye people, pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. So we see here, we say, what is He? Hey, He... David understood something about his God. And I'm so glad that they penned it and have it here and they, they would sing these and write them and we need to take them and memorize them. This, 
These verses will help you. I've got one more. Move over to the right again. Psalm 73. This is our last little exercise here. Psalm 73, verses 12 through 17. Behold, these are the ungodly uh, who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Isn't that kind of seem to be the, the run of things? Watch this. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened ever, uh, every morning. For I say I will speak thus. Behold, I shall offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Now watch verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. You say, what understanding do you have? It's understanding that comes from God and His Word that only can come from God and His Word. I'm telling you tonight, you have a soul, you have a spirit, and a lot of times it can be vexed, it can be hurting, it can be on the downtrodden. You say, what is wrong with me? What's wrong with you and I tonight sometimes is we need more of God's Word, the more instruction from God's, God's Word right here. God can center your life and He can make you have, through His Word, through your yieldingness, will have a happy Christian life. Do you have a stronghold of unhappiness tonight? Let's stand. We'll have a piano come and pastor come on up as they get ready. Uh, tonight, hopefully, it's been a blessing. I'm enjoying this, and we're winding down. I think we have maybe two, maybe three more uh, on these distinctions, and we'll be done. And so tonight, it's about being unhappy, a distinction, a stronghold of being unhappy. Be careful of the traps of depression. Be careful of disillusionment and discouragement. It can happen in a second. Somebody will say something wrong. Uh, you won't get that phone call, or you'll get that phone call. Uh, or you'll get that letter or whatever have you, that email, that text, and it'll, it'll hit you just like that. So be careful. Be careful of the traps of unhappiness. Pastor, what are we going to say tonight? 129, Rock of Ages. 129.